Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Regularly Scheduled Programming, where we watch stuff and talk about it. Uh, My name is Ashley. And I'm Joe. And uh, let's get to the business right up front. You can email us at gmail at regularlyscheduledpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at regularlyscheduledpod. You can find us on Twitter at rspod. And you can find us on Facebook at Regularly Scheduled Programming Podcast. And I want to do a quick apology up top. I am getting over a cold, so my voice is a little uh, nasally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, should we start with the news? Let's get some news going. Okay, a uh, number of things happened in the last week. Uh, the Moon Knight trailer dropped. That looks so good. Yeah, I I think we're definitely starting to get into the area with the MCU where they're going, where a lot of characters are going to be introduced that I know very little about. Um, I'm not a huge comic book person. I know what everything I know I know is just absorbed through the popular uh, characters and stuff like that. Like everybody knows about Spider Man and whatnot, but uh, don't know much about Moon Knight other than a lot of people say he's kind of the Batman in the Marvel universe. Uh, but he actually has powers and stuff like the vigilante aspects of Batman, I guess. Yeah, I don't know anything about him either. <laughs> also, same, not a big, you know, extended comic book person. But I know I really like Oscar Isaac and I'm really excited to see this show. I am pretty much all in for Marvel. So whatever they put in my face, I'm going to absorb it. <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, going to start on March 30th on Disney plus and they do uh, weekly episodes as opposed to dropping a whole season, which we have actually become quite big fans of after experiencing the, uh, the binge era of TV. Yeah. It's weird how that cycle of TV has kind of come and gone for us. At least it's like when binge TV first started becoming a thing, we were fully in like, yeah, give uh, it all to me right now. I will suck it down in one day and then, enjoy it yeah and then it's like when um which one of the was it one of mandalorian or one of the mcu shows on disney where it was like we're not gonna release all of the things right now and at first we were like oh man i just want to watch the whole thing but then as it's gone on it builds that anticipation it kind Mm -hmm. of creates that like water cooler moment again Mm -hmm. and uh, it's also really makes it fun to like go on social media and read other people's theories and uh, kind of just react with the world while we all kind of wait with anticipation. (laughs) Yeah. So that's March 30th on Disney plus super excited. 
um, staying in the Marvel Universe. Uh, we also got the trailer for uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I need this movie right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, we both love the first Doctor Strange and every appearance of Doctor Strange since. But the big thing about this trailer, and I caught it right off the bat. You had to listen to it a couple of times to confirm. But there is the in the trailer, we hear the voice of Sir Patrick Stewart. And I am fully on board. I don't even care if he's not Professor X, if he's just an entirely new character or whatever. The fact that he is in the MCU just makes me happy. I just cannot wait to see that bald head on that movie screen. (laughs) I mean, he's probably going to be Professor X. Is it the Professor X from the X-Men movies we know or something else? Who's to say? Um, They also gave some hints to the Illuminati. Uh, I don't think at the time you didn't know much about the Illuminati, but from what I know of the Illuminati, it's it's basically like a council of the most powerful and I guess influential people and heroes in the Marvel universe. I think the council seat or the Illuminati seats like five or six has like five or six members. Um, Other than that, I don't know much, Um, but Professor X is a member of the Illuminati or it was at one time. I'm pretty sure in the comics, Iron Man also is. Uh, Doctor Strange, uh, Mr. Fantastic, Namor, and I don't know the other ones. Well, I'm sure we'll find (laughs) out. And that's if they're going strictly with the comic lineup. And who knows how many different lineups they've had in the comics, you know? Yes, and we're also getting some more Scarlet Witch, which I love. Mm -hmm. I loved the line where she was like, it was something to the effect of like, when you do something, you're a hero. But when I do it, I'm a villain or it might have been like switched. No. Yeah, it's I think it's something like you break the world and you're a hero. I and something referencing WandaVision and I'm a, a villain or something like that. Yeah. And I'm just very interested to see how this whole thing is going to play out. And just I just so excited to see another MC movie. Um admittedly i loved um shang chi i've not rewatched the eternals yet but i'm also kind of excited to get the characters we know back on screen well you got spider-man that's true we did get spider-man you got all the spider-mans all all of them (laughs) in in all of their glory one two and three (laughs) and not to not to sidetrack uh from talking about dr strange but i love seeing all these people come out and be like, oh, Andrew Garfield is so amazing as Spider-Man. And it's like, yeah, where were you like 10 years ago when his movies were being made and everybody was trashing on him? I, I loved the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. I will just tell you they were not on board with Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Uh, but yeah, I'm really excited about Doctor Strange. I can't wait. I think it's going to be so fun. Yeah, that hits theaters May 6th. Oh, and also, if Wong dies, we riot. <laughs> yes. I don't know. They've, they've woven him in in some other areas that's like, he might be too crucial. Like, I I don't want to say that they're equivalent in characters, but where he's cropping up, like, really kind of makes me feel like, is Wong the new Nick Fury? Guess we'll see. Uh, is he going to be that, that central point where all these other things uh, come together? But we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, May 6th in in theaters. Can't come soon enough. Super excited. All right. Uh, We also got a trailer. It's more of a teaser, but for the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. 
I think it looks great. Yeah, I think it looks good. Um, I mean, we don't, I don't really know much about it from what they, it was like a sizzle reel kind of deal, honestly. Uh, they gave us some clips, uh, showed some characters, but it, it looks good. Anything that gets us back into that world for me, I'm going to be happy with. Uh, I like the Hobbit movies. I like the, um, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy that came out. I just, I enjoy watching them. If you have, you know, like, 16 hours to to waste you can watch return of the king and all of its endings <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, i think we talked about it a little bit last week too about how we're just very excited for more fantasy series yeah um i know i see a lot of discourse on twitter about how it looks i think it looks fantastic it looks better than anything i could afford to make so. i know <laughs> another one that uh kind of popped up out of nowhere um that i let you know about earlier this week uh transformers bot bots animated series on netflix coming in march talk about a show that's probably three years too late yeah it's not that it's too late it's just i i think we both feel like the hype around bot bots has leveled off i don't want to say it's dead but it has definitely leveled off at least in the the circles i run in online right so Um, I'll just say Joe is a massive Transformers enthusiast um, and our six and a half year old is also really into Transformers and he was so into the bot bots. We have little posters on his door still that like have the little characters that you could buy to like check off. I have my own little collection of bot bots. He still has a few. I think you do. You still have yours, Joe. Yeah, they're uh, not displayed right now. But just to so what bot bots are is they're little transformers that are everyday items. the The premise for this whole thing was I think there was like an energon explosion or shockwave or something that hit a uh, a mall. And it turned all these everyday items into transformers. So you have things like a TV, a computer. There is a vampire cupcake that they that they named uh, Frost Frostferatu. Frostferatu, <laughs> which I have. <laughs> um, they have they have a stapler that's just named Steve from Accounting, which is wonderful. <laughs> um, but these came out like three years ago, and yeah, it- they were great. They were a ton of fun. They had the uh, the blind bag uh thing going for them but you could also they also had ones where they were displayed and you could see them and then you got one mystery one also and it's just they were a lot of fun and they were big hype for a little while and now three years later like i said i feel like the hype has leveled off a little bit but the show's coming out yeah and i did um i went to target earlier today and i did not see any bot bots so i feel like maybe it's a supply chain thing who knows but it would I think it would really be in Hasbro's best interest to get those back out on the market Mm -hmm. ASAP because it's like you guys did this in the 80s. You know what the deal is. You do the toys, you do the show. So I know we'll probably be checking out the show. Oh, I'm going to watch it. It's going to be wacky. I I was going to say, I think it has the potential to be a little bit zany, wacky, fun. And I feel like we can't get enough of that right now. Nope. Not for me, at least. I'm going to skip that one and do it in a minute. But uh, we also got the trailer for Boz Lerman's Elvis movie. Right. Uh, I think I think we both kind of had the the same first reaction. Cause, so my mom is a huge Elvis fan. The biggest. Um, and we watched the trailer. And we're like, that looks really good. I'm interested to see that. And then we uh, paused for a beat and we were like, I don't think this is going to be for my mom. 
<laughs> this is not a movie about Elvis for the boomers at all. That's not to say some might not like it, but like knowing my mom and knowing that there are other people out there like her, it's just it doesn't look like a movie that is designed to capture that audience. No, it's not Elvis through rose colored glasses for sure. Well, it's not even that that I'm talking about. It's like the what the way the trailer is cut together, the pacing of the mu- movie, mm-hmm. some of the music in the trailer, even if that's used in the movie, it's it's not the kind of music that Elvis fans, or at least Elvis fans like my mom in that generation, some of them would be into. Right. But, and it's Boz Lerman. Yeah. So we so, know what we're getting. Yeah, it's going to be. It looks really good, though. I, I've seen a few people um, online commenting about the actor playing Elvis. I do not remember his name but not really looking like Elvis. And I'm like, well, he's acting. I mean, mean, he doesn't, I don't feel like you have to look like him. I'd rather have somebody portray the character the way that they want it to be versus a subpar actor that looks like Elvis. Here's the thing. I didn't feel like Joaquin Phoenix looked a whole lot like Johnny Cash, but the minute he started talking and acting, I fully was invested in him being Johnny Cash. So I just... I don't get the feeling that this is meant to be like a biopic necessarily. No, I mean, I don't really know. I remember hearing that he was doing an Elvis movie because I remember Tom Hanks being cast in it and all that. But as far as the leniency of Elvis's life story and how closely it's going to follow any sort of real truth as opposed to maybe like myth or myth rather... Um, I don't know, but I know that, you know, we both like a couple of Boz Lerman movies, so we'll probably see it. Yeah, the I, I, I like movies that take the storytelling perspective of presenting the myth on screen. Uh, I always find those really interesting. I do like biopics that try to hit all the really important beats and let give you the story of their life. Those are usually wonderful. Um, but I do really enjoy the idea of telling that story through the rose-colored fisheye lens of the mythology of you know this person who became so famous that they almost became a mythological uh, hero. Where you know you don't really know what's true and what's not. And that's kind of what Elvis is at this point. Uh, yeah. So uh, second to last bit of news. One absolutely wonderful news. Uh, John Williams is coming back and doing the, I believe, the theme song for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I'm so excited about this. I mean, I'm excited about the series in general, but to find out we're getting John Williams back in the Star Wars universe composing the music, it's just the best news. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I don't know what in Star Wars hasn't been scored by him, but just knowing that 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 him as a through line in Star Wars productions, he's there. It's just, it makes me happy. And that's not to say it wouldn't be good without him. It's not to say that this theme song wouldn't be good without him, but it just makes me happy knowing that he's doing it. It's that in Star Wars nostalgia, I think, on my part at least. It's like, you know, he scored the original movie. Mm-hmm. He scored the movies. So, of course, it's great to hear that he's coming back to do Obi-Wan. Yeah. And, again, we that show cannot get here soon enough. Last bit of news, uh, interesting uh, thing that we just thought would be an interesting talking point is Kevin Feige, uh, producer at Marvel Studios, kind of the 
the brain behind the MCU, I guess, confirmed that uh, Avengers Endgame was is in fact the last Avengers movie that will be made. So, yeah, let's we can talk about what that means. I mean, I don't see them not doing a movie with, I don't want to say like all the characters. A crossover. Yeah, like a crossover movie like The Avengers, but maybe it's just not called The Avengers. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's something else. Yeah, and I mean, that that was my big thing. It's like, I'm interested to see how, what they call the crossover movies. I mean, there are tons of um, superhero teams in the Marvel Universe. Um, but they also, I don't know, they're at a point now where... I don't think they need to rely on those keywords to get people in uh, the theater to see these movies. Yeah, I think that there are certain people that are like, okay, Iron Man is gone. Um, Captain America. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Steve Rogers is gone. Captain America is lo- alive and well. But, <laughs> you know, Steve Rogers is gone. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm just like, you don't have to call it the Avengers, but it would be really cool to see Shang-Chi interact with Doctor Strange, interact with Scarlet Witch and everyone that's left. Falcon. Yeah, and I think like for me, the reason why that's interesting to me is because you get, you know, Falcon, maybe Bucky. We both said Falcon, but really we mean Captain America. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So you get... Captain America slash Falcon, maybe Bucky, Doctor Strange, uh, Wanda, you know, all these people who fought in Endgame against Thanos. And what I think is going to be a lot of fun is when you do get the mixture of those seasoned veterans and then you bring in the brand new characters like Shang-Chi, who is literally just a dude that knows Kung Fu. Yeah. Uh, you know he's exceptional at what he does but you know he doesn't have the the experience that these other guys have but he's just as i don't want to say just as powerful but like he holds his own and he's a hero so the the dynamic between like rookies and veterans i think is going to be a lot of fun i also think it'll be really interesting if they like make jokes or comment about the snapshot essentially well, yeah that's what we call it yeah that's what we call it that's not the official name the blip <laughs> The blip is what it is known as in the MCU. I just, I wonder about that dynamic because you have part, some of the heroes that were like helping bring back. I don't, I don't even know what I'm trying to say right now. <laughs> Sorry guys, my cold. <laughs> but I, I, I think what I'm trying to say is I think the dynamic of all the heroes coming from different perspectives of like this major thing that happened. And then there's potentially I mean, we potentially have a multiverse. I know there's been speculation about um, the Secret Wars. Um, well, there's the show. Right. Secret Wars. Right. So I just, I'm very interested to see how these characters will like interact with each other. Yeah, potentially, the... unless Kevin Feige is actually saying you will never see all these people on screen together. But I just don't, I don't see that happening because... The crossover movies are just so good. And they make so much money. <laughs> and they make so much money. <laughs> okay, I mean, so how many times did we see not Endgame? Infinity War? Infinity War. I think we saw it four or five times. Yeah. So, I mean, that move, the movies are going to make money. So, uh, I think that's all we have 
for news. I think so. Do you want to go over what you watched this week? Okay. So, um, Sunday's episode of Euphoria was so good. Um, it talked about, like, rubing and recovery. Um, God, I love Fezco and Lexi together. Um, there was a sentence that I specifically wrote down that Ollie, who is Rue's sponsor, was talking about, um, like, Rue going through withdrawal and being, like, completely heinous to everyone she loves. And basically Ollie talking about, like, forgiveness and her or him saying um, reducing someone's life to a moment, an ugly moment, and punishing them for that. And I thought that was really interesting. Also in terms of, like, the creator of the show was an addict himself. And so he writes from an addict perspective. And I did think that was really interesting because that does happen with a lot of addicts' families. Like, you have these horrible moments and it's the only thing you can remember, honestly. Um, And I think it's just, like, really that comment kind of took me aback and was like, wow. I mean, that could apply to so many things. Like, someone's worst moment. And then they could not live that worst moment for the rest of their lives they could be I mean arguably a perfect person which doesn't exist but they could be damn near perfect but people continue punishing them for that one horrible thing and I thought that was really interesting and then um there was a scene with Nate and Maddie where he is in her room And he has a gun and you see him in like a reflection of a mirror in her bathroom. And she walks in her room and she's like changing completely unaware that he is there. Yeah. And like Joe just looked at me like, what the fuck? (laughs) But the whole time I'm just like sitting there so tense, like, oh, my God, he's going to shoot her. He's going to kill her. This is horrible. And then he does this like russian roulette thing where he's trying to get information about that disc i was telling you about that had his dad having sex with jules Mm -hmm. and just the whole time you're just like oh my god he's gonna kill her he's gonna kill her and this show just (laughs) has all these like delicious anxiety inducing moments where i'm like why am i even watching this (laughs) show but it's so good (laughs) so that's my commentary on euphoria I'm really excited slash anxious for the episode that's going to be airing this week. Lexi has been making a play about like her sister and their friends and like she's going to be putting on the play. So like they're all going to find out. Nobody knows. And it sounds like it's going to be hilarious. But also I'm really nervous because it sounds like Fez and his brother Ashtray might be getting busted for killing this drug dealer as an extremely devote fez fan i will be very upset if that happens (laughs) like if he dies or something sorry every every time you say ashtray my mind immediately (laughs) goes to don't be a menace (laughs) now there's a movie i haven't watched in a while um other than you know euphoria i watched all my usual reality crap shanae has finally gone on the bachelor so that was like a celebratory moment um, I watched Ali Wong's new comedy special. I really like Ali Wong. Uh, uh, yeah, you had to watch the last half of it with <laughs> headphones because our son was in the room. Yeah, <laughs> not my finest mom moment. But and then I had to remind you that he can read, and you had the <laughs> subtitles on. That was my not so finest <laughs> mom moment. 
But anyways, um, as far as all the other crap I watched, like, there's really nothing of note this week. I watched a lot of YouTube again. I'm trying to get caught up on Kelsey and Peacha K's Extreme Rag to Riches Sims thing. I don't know what it is about the Sims videos, um, like the her playthroughs. I just I just really enjoy them. They're like really calming and it's kind of nice. Honestly, I've been watching this documentary uh, called The Secrets of Playboy, which I might have some thoughts about once it's all done. Uh, I'd be interested to hear if anyone else is watching it because I feel like I haven't really heard a lot of people talking about it. But other than that, um, I think other than the Olympics, that's about it. All right. Uh, I watched a few things on my own. Ironically, nothing like that's brand new or ongoing. Watched some older movies that I really enjoy. So at one point this last week, I noticed that um, Best of the Best was on Netflix. So I watched that. It's a... I love the movie, but objectively, it's a, you know, average story at best with average acting at best uh, from certain roles. Uh, so the movie has James Earl Jones, Eric Roberts, uh, Philip Ree, Chris Penn and Simon Ree. I don't know if Philip Ree and Simon Ree are related. It does not say they are on their IMDb pages, so it could just be same last name. Coincidence. Yeah. Uh, Simon Ree plays the quote unquote villain in it, but he also did the fight choreography and stuff. And that's what it draws me to the movie is it's a martial arts movie about a United States team going to South Korea for a uh, martial arts tournament. You know, the main like dramatic plot in the movie is that Philip Ree's character, his older brother fought Simon Ree's character in a tournament in that same tournament years prior and was killed in the ring. Philip Ree, uh, Philip Ree's character has to fight Simon Ree's character in this movie. So there's a lot of drama there. It's kind of like Rocky Four. I was going to say, it sounds like Rocky Four to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, the, the story is nothing that's going to win at any awards. But the some of the fight choreography in it is top tier, in my opinion. And I just love it. It's one of those movies that I love because I used to watch it when I was a kid. Um, but it's a good movie if you want to, you know, throw something on with some really good martial arts scenes in it. And there's nothing wrong with a good, like, B-movie. B-movies are wonderful. Um, speaking of B-movies, I also watched Hackers. Love Excellent movie. Love that movie. Matthew Lillard alone in that movie is worth watching. But it's... That movie, to me, is like a core sample of the 90s. <laughs> it is everything wacky and zany about the 90s. And I love it. It also has... Um, Angelina Jolie in it. Um, that was one of her first roles, wasn't it? I'm not sure. Mm. But yeah, it's a great movie about a group of hackers, uh, teenagers in the 90s. And it, get, it gets wild, uh, but it's wonderful. I love that movie. I probably watch it like once or twice a year at least. Caught up a little bit on My Hero Academia, which is an anime that you and I both watch, but you haven't watched in a while. I am... I think I'm still on like partway through season two. So I think at this point, if I want to watch it, I think I'm just going to go back to the beginning and just watch it from the beginning again. But I will say I do really like what I watch. The problem is uh, it's a show that I really want to sit down and watch. And sometimes that's just not possible. So, yeah, it's a it's a really good anime about a world where basically the vast majority of people are born with some kind of power or ability or something like it could be something as minor as you have horns 
but it could be something immensely powerful. Like one of the main characters, um, his hand, his, his sweat secrete, his sweat is like nitroglycerin or something like that. And he can ignite it, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, admittedly is a really amazing power. But so there's this whole, this whole structure of superheroes um, in the world. And the show is about a group of kids going through a hero high school, essentially, where they learn to be heroes so they can try to be professional heroes. Uh, one of the things that I love about it so much is they take some characters and give them powers that you just think like, that is ridiculous. You are never going to be able to be a top tier hero with that. But then they use them in such creative ways that you're like, oh, wow, you could be a top tier hero utilizing your abilities like that. It's just, it's wonderful. And like no power is overlooked. <laughs> yeah. It's like has everything you could really think of and beyond. Yeah, and it's a it's a shonen style anime, so there's a crap ton of characters in it, and the action and fight sequences get ridiculously over the top, and I love every second of it. So I also watched just randomly browsing through Netflix one night. I saw this, um, I guess it's a documentary called Attack of the Hollywood Clichés. Um, it's hosted by Rob Lowe, and basically they just kind of take a handful of Hollywood cliches and talk about them and the way they're perceived now versus the way they were implemented. And it's very tongue in cheek. It is not meant to be serious, but they are talking about actual Hollywood tropes in movies. And it was just, it was a lot of fun. So like, what's one of the tropes, for example? Mm. (laughs) Um, You know, they go over like romantic comedies and like, so one of the ones is how in a lot of older movies and even I guess now, like, one of the ways in movies they show that a guy is like interested in a girl is that he continuously and constantly badgers her to go out with him. Right. And like they showed a lot of clips from the notebook where like <laughs> they showed like uh, Ryan Gosling hanging off of a uh, Ferris wheel asking, oh, brain fart, um, Rachel McAdams, Rachel McAdams uh, asking her out and she kept saying no. So like they talk about that trope and what that means. Not really. They don't really go into like what it means in society, today, but the perspective of a modern day uh a modern day viewer and you've never seen the notebook right i'm pretty yeah we saw it. you had me watch it okay, it was, I was fine say, i've seen it it was but, fine yeah um but and then they also talk about like the the renegade um cop you know characters like uh martin riggs from lethal weapon that guy who's on the edge and breaks the rules but in the end he gets the bad guys so it's okay that he broke the rules and what that means uh, or, you know, like, again, not necessarily what it means, but a perspective on that from a today's type audience. And the one thing I'll say is like they, they do go into some um, topical things like related to topical things, not nothing uh, specific, but it never feels like they're bashing these things for being that. It just it really does seem like they are just presenting this bit of information, but they're not like berating this movie for presenting something that isn't wouldn't be considered okay by today's standards. Uh, And I appreciate that. Sounds like an interesting watch. Yeah, uh, Rob Lowe is pretty funny in it. Um, uh, I think the last thing that I watched was I watched uh, episode 13 of campaign three of Critical Role. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I like the characters that the cast created. Uh, The storyline so far is interesting. I would suggest that everybody check it out, but it's definitely not something for everyone considering that it's a four hour runtime per episode, essentially. 
Well, that I think I don't. I personally don't think it's for everybody. Um, I know that's what I said. No, I know. I'm just. I'm. I guess I'm agreeing with you. Okay. But because I mean I've enjoyed some of the episodes, but I don't know if I could sit there for four hours. <laughs> so. Oh, I don't sit. I don't do it in one sitting. No, you it's don't. Usually, you kind of like. I watch like thirty to forty-five minutes at a time. Yeah. But I enjoy it. But that's really all I. I watched this week. I mean, there was other stuff, but it's like stuff I had on in the background while I was finishing playing Pokemon. So, yeah, which oh, I so did, you finish. did finish. Yes. Well, I finished <laughs> the main storyline. There's still some post game stuff, but it was a lot of fun. If anybody is interested in the new Pokemon game, uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, I suggest it. I recommend it. It's it's a lot of fun. Very different than a traditional Pokemon game. But this is not a podcast about video games. I was going to say, but unfortunately, it's not a podcast <laughs> about video games. Or maybe fortunately, because we don't really play a lot of um, heavy gamer type yeah. video games. <laughs> so I guess we can move on to what is going to be the meat of the show. Well, I think we've already been in the meat, it seems like. <laughs> well, no. Legend of Vox Machina oh, finished gosh. off this week. You got that finale. Mm-hmm. And it was glorious. It was really good. Um, Joe actually waited and watched it with me. Uh, not so much that I waited and watched it with you. It's that you went ahead and stayed up Thursday night to watch it with me. Which was no easy feat considering I was not feeling well. But I did it. Powered through. <laughs> and I thank you for that. It <laughs> would have been really hard if you were too tired. But I did want to watch the finale with you. Or the last three episodes. So the last three episodes... I loved them. One of my favorite things about the last trio of episodes is you got the big epic finish in episode 11, which was the big fight against the boss, the the villains. Mm-hmm. And then you had in episode 12, something that I felt was just as important, if not more, but it was much smaller scaled because it was a much more personal finale for the characters. And it was just great because it was all about Percy Yes. And things that he apparently didn't even necessarily realize was happening to him. Um, yes, his alter ego, kind of. Uh, it's not so much an alter ego. It's like it's, it's an entirely separate entity. Yeah. It wasn't something it wasn't like it was something that manifested in him. As far as I know, it, it was like an outside entity that granted him powers and abilities. It's like a symbiote. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's Venom. <laughs> But absolutely amazing series um, or season. Super excited for season two. It cannot come fast enough. I'm really surprised that like, well, maybe they don't have a date, but I really expected them to be like, oh, by the way, we expect season two next year or something like whatever they decide or whatever they can get done. Um, I cannot unsee Grog's butt. (laughs) (laughs) But Mr. Winky was okay, so we're all good. (laughs) (laughs) We did not see that. Yeah. Which, I mean, the disparity between, you know, animated breasts and animated anything else and everything is just whatever. (laughs) But But then again, I do watch Euphoria and there's plenty of male full frontal nudity in that show to go around, so... (laughs) Okay, to switch gears off of full frontal nudity, uh, full frontal, <laughs> full frontal male nudity specifically, uh, I thought an interesting thing for us to talk about will be 
at least in the circles I run and I see a lot of people coming like this is what a D&D show should be. And I have a lot of thoughts on that. And these are, these are all going to be my personal opinions. I don't expect these to be blanket statements for the entire D&D fandom or animation fandom or fantasy fandom. But well, thank I, God, because you are never going to please everybody. Yeah, I think one of the issues is we need to stop. Well, I don't really look at a show like this as a D&D show. Yes, there are tropes that are related to D&D. There are things that harken back to the D&D game that this show is based on. But to me, this is just a fantasy series. I love that I can see those ties to the game. But D&D isn't like a thing that is a story to me. D&D is the tool with which you use to tell a story. Mm-hmm. So there's a, uh, I believe Paramount is working on a Dungeons and Dragons movie. And I remember uh, shortly after that announcement was made, Penny Arcade did a comic where one of the characters was like, yeah, they announced a Dungeons and Dragons movie. And he was like, it's just not enough information for me. Tell me what it is. Like, you know, telling me you're making, you're making a Dungeons and Dragons movie is like, if I ask you what's for lunch and you say kitchen, <laughs> you know, it's like, D&D is just what's is just a tool used to facilitate the telling of a story. So I never really look for D&D shows like even the D&D movies that have come out. They're good fun. They're not great movies. But Wizards of the Coast, who produces Dungeons and Dragons, I don't know if they own the rights to these uh, worlds to make movies based on them. But like, you know, they own settings and worlds like the Forgotten Realms and Eberron and Greyhawk and Planescape and Spelljammer, all these settings that they could put a story in and tell a story and never once make any reference to Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I also think from like um, an outsider perspective of D&D is it could potentially turn off an audience that is like, well, I don't know anything about that. I'm not going to watch. Or they just think like D&D is for nerds or whatever, which well, is a that, seg- that segment of people is getting a lot smaller. Thank God for that. But I think that you potentially alienate an audience who thinks that they have to come into a show or a movie with information. Um, because a lot of people, even though they're like accepting of Dungeons and Dragons and related content, they don't quite know what it is. Um, They don't really understand like the story building aspect or the character building aspect of it. So I could see how some people might be like, oh, D&D, I don't know, that looks kind of cool, but I don't know anything about it, you know, so. Yeah, and for me, like one of the big red flags for labeling something as D&D is a Dungeons and Dragons game is, is exceptionally unique. So the way my friends and I play Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, there may be other people who play very similar, but more than likely there's very few, if anybody else that plays the way we play. And a lot of people, especially um, in our world today, will see something like Dungeons and Dragons movie and they're, what they anticipate is what they want from, or they want is what they think D&D is. But everybody thinks D&D is something different. Yeah, or maybe you only watch Critical Role and you want D&D to be like that. Yeah, like everything D&D. Yeah. And I just, like I said, I think we need to stop looking at this as what this show could mean for more D&D shows and just approach it from what I think everyone actually wants. And yeah, I'm making a bit of a sweeping statement here. I think what we all just really want is more fantasy media. 
and especially the kind of stories that D&D is tailored to facilitate, which is really high epic fantasy where your spellcasters are throwing spells all over the battlefield. Your fighters are doing incredible feats of strength and skill. You're, you get giant or half giant barbarians just tearing through hordes of enemies. You know, that that really high level kind of adventure um for me specifically that's what i want from a quote unquote dnd show i don't ultimately care where they said it i have my favorite settings but like as long as you give me the story that explains the world i'm happy i'll, I'll absorb it and i'll eat it and drink it up yeah there was quite a few like i would say here you know, high fantasy moments in legend of vox machina like mm-hmm. um scanlan's hand um, i think he's the only one that ever really like put a name towards what he was yeah. doing in the moment which but it also was funny you know it, well he's also a performer so he has yeah. to you know get perform. the name recognition <laughs> right exactly but yeah there was so many fantasy things going on and it was just oh my god it was just awesome <laughs> yeah and like to, because this specific one is based on a game like one thing that i think about is how epic all these things were and then realize and then it clicking for me again that this is early in their campaign these are like low to mid-level characters in that campaign. Now, are they going to represent that as the story continues, like them growing in power and ability and stuff like that? I think they will, but it's like they're already at like an eight or a nine with the way they're presented on screen, and it's only going to go up from there. Uh, I would assume, you know, I don't work for them, so I don't really know. But Also, for those keeping track of my ships, my ship has officially sunk as of now, potentially. Maybe not. Joe kind of gave a look. (laughs) I will say that I have seen some things online about the ships. And I mean, I didn't pick up on it. Maybe it's because I was only looking at certain characters that I know what happens. But there's a lot of people who think there's something going on between Vex and Keyleth. Vex, um, the girl, and Keyleth. Maybe, I mean, she was kind of jealous, but I always thought maybe it was coming from, like, a sister um, jealousy standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, no one is good enough for my brother. Yeah, and I haven't really deep dive on, like, people justifying their theories and stuff like that, so I couldn't really say why they're reaching these conclusions, but, like, I mean, I'm obviously I'm fine with it if it if it happens. I'm, I'm interested if they are changing something uh, or if they are doing something like that, uh, because I will say that in the campaign, that's not the way it works out. Right. And you could have people saying that, like, they're throwing in, like, how am I trying to put this? Drama? Tension? No. No. False representation. Like, oh, well, we need a lesbian relationship to, like, fill some quota. And I'm not saying that's what this is. I'm totally cool if that's what they want to do as well. Yeah. But I could definitely see it angering some, a particular sect of fan mm-hmm. that um, like when they change characters or they change yeah. characters like orientation or race or any anything like that, it inevitably pisses some people off for who even knows what reason, some weird gatekeepy reason. Um, so like, I mean, I think that's a really interesting potential thing because it's like, maybe she was jealous because she does have feelings for Keyleth. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I'm obviously also fine with that, but I yeah. also don't have the initial frame of reference. So for me, I'm just going to be like, oh, this is cute, you know? <laughs> yeah, on the, like, f- filling the representation quota, like, you know, knowing the um, the cast from watching them on the show, not knowing them, but, like, you know, I don't see that. I'm not saying that you think this is what they're doing, but, like, I don't no. see that being the case, especially when you consider, like, a character like Scanlan. You know, in that show, he'll take it anywhere. He has no boundaries. Nothing uh, is off limits. Scan Scanlan is pansexual. <laughs> yeah. He well, he will he is attracted to anybody, yep. no matter what they look like, who they are, well, their orientation. <laughs> and even um even Vax and um Gilmore. Yes. They're they're flirting back and forth. That's not from the way it's presented in the campaign. It's not just strictly a a game to them. Like there is an attraction there, even though like I think it a lot of times it does seem like it's portrayed that maybe Gilmore is a bit more interested in it than um Vax is. But we know from the show and from the campaign that Vax is interested in Keyleth. But that doesn't but you know, the way the character is played, it does seem like there is an attraction going yeah, I, both I, ways. I want to be very clear, like, we're fully supportive of everybody in this house. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, I was just, in my mind, whenever, like, look at what happened when they announced the new, the live action Snow White. People, there's a certain sect of people that always lose their absolute shit when something isn't exactly the way it's always been. You know, or like when they cast, um, oh my God, I cannot remember her name, um, but she's playing Ariel in the live action Little oh, Mermaid. Yeah. And people just completely lost it. And it's like, you know, I, you and I say this all the time. This is not the first time you're going to hear this on this podcast. It will not be the last not everything is for you. <laughs> well, not even not even to take it to that extreme. It's just like, why not just let the work stand on its own? Yeah. If they do a good job, who cares? I'm fully in the cap that they could in the camp that they could give every single role and everything to Idris Elba and I would watch <laughs> all of it. He could literally play everybody. <laughs> and and I'll be honest, um, Michael B. Jordan is nipping at his heels for the same uh for the same placement. Cause he was somebody that I was like, oh, this guy's kind of cool. But then when I saw Creed, I was like, this guy is amazing. He he can do it all. Yeah, we really um, liked him in that movie with um, Zac Efron and Miles Teller. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what it's called. I they were either. a good uh, a good trio, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I just, again, it's kind of like if you don't like the way that the casting is, if you don't like the way they're representing this character or this relationship, like you don't have to keep watching it. It's fine. Yeah. Anyway, uh, side, that was a bit of a sidebar. A little bit we'll of sidebar. We'll get back bar. to uh, Legend of Vox Machina. Um, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about it, but I love it. Uh, we did end the season on a bit of a cliffhanger, and it made me so excited because the next plot hook is epic. Yeah, and like, I expected it to end on a cliffhanger because we know that there's a season two. Yeah. So it's not surprising, but it it, it is good. Um, I definitely will want to rewatch it before the second season comes out. We do tend to do that sometimes. Yeah. 
Oh, I'll, I'll probably rewatch that show a dozen times before the next season comes out. I will probably walk out next week and see you watching it. <laughs> like, I would not be possible. surprised. It might happen tonight. Who knows? So ultimately, in closing, we love the series. It's amazing. We will both rewatch it countless times. It will be it probably has a spot in our regular rotation of great shows that we watch. Like when we rewatch uh, Avatar and Legend of Korra. Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, we should do we should do like a show on our most rewatched series. Oh gosh. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. Like what brings us back to them all the time? Comfort. <laughs> well, it's not just comfort, but like there 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 are specific reasons why I rewatch uh Avatar, why I rewatch Full Metal. For me it's almost always characters. Like they well, we don't want to go into it now. That ruins the point of having a show about it, an episode about it. Okay, you're right. We'll have to do like a special <laughs> one off episode of the show's our, rewatch. Our most rewatched shows. <laughs> I do have a list take of special down. episode ideas. So <laughs> yep, take that down. <laughs> you just heard the clicking of my pen. I am currently writing it down. <laughs> I would write it down, but nobody would be able to read it. <laughs> My handwriting's not that much better, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but you don't smear yours. Lefty problems. Yep. You guys in your right privilege. <laughs> All right, so I think we're good for the uh, for this episode. Do you want to run down the socials again? Sure. And they're also uh, always listed in the show notes, as well as I will make sure to try to list the shows and stuff that we're talking about this week specifically um anyway so <laughs> the business again you can email us at regularly scheduled pod at gmail.com find us on instagram and tiktok at regularly scheduled pod um you can follow us on twitter at rsp pod or facebook at regularly scheduled programming podcast yeah twitter's probably the best one to hit us up on with praise uh if you want to say something negative just take it over to facebook <laughs> Because we don't really check that very much. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.